Hello and welcome to this episode of the You, Me and ADHD podcast. I'm your host Callum McCurdy and today's guest is none other than Jenny Martin. Uh, Jenny is um, a real uh, energizer bunny and um, we met um, a number of uh, months ago through LinkedIn. We've had a great chat today and what we've uh, talked about is her background in executive recruitment, uh, her um, masters in criminal law and human rights and how she's been sort of drawn to those um, sectors and those areas of, of interest and made the connection with um, essentially how she saw a lot of people falling through the cracks who um, were neurodiverse and in particular had uh, ADHD and she had a real affinity for those people. Hey, so welcome to uh, this episode of You, Me and ADHD. This is a podcast that's unapologetically uh, positive about, uh, or we have a positive take on living, working and thriving uh, with ADHD, especially in a world that um, I guess is not designed with our minds in mind. And we've got a cracking good guest on uh, the episode today. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Um, so welcome along, Jenny Martin. And um, Jen, uh, we've spoken a couple of times. We've uh, met in Auckland, and I'd be very keen to uh, get a bit more of your background for listeners to hear. Um, but I wonder if we can uh, start with um, maybe a wee bit of your um, background uh, before you've even had a chance to speak a word. I'll point out that you have an accent. Where's that from? I'm from England originally, the southwest, the farming capital. The farming capital, yeah. Are you from a farm? Are are you from a farm? No. No? Okay. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Do do you like farm animals? I like farm animals. I like all animals. Yeah? (laughs) Cool. Um, And so where about, where in particular in the UK are you from? Um, Somerset. Somerset. Southwest. Yeah. And my hometown is actually Oh wow! Leeds. Say that again. The home of John Cleese. Oh really? Okay, there we go. So John Cleese. Now, didn't he call? Did he call Palmerston North or Hamilton? Um, he he was quite insulting, I think, once about. Maybe it wasn't him. Oh, it doesn't matter. Look, we've already gone down a rabbit hole, Jen. So this is the the structure of uh, this podcast, and I know the chat with you because we've had a couple of chats in the past, and we've been on a, a webinar together, and we're just sort of riffing off each other, um, which was which was really cool. And so I thought well, this would be great to have you on, and just to talk a wee bit about your background. So um, how long have you been in New Zealand? I've been in New Zealand about sixteen years. Mm-hmm. What brought you here? So um, I've worked in recruitment, talent, and HR for the last 20-odd years. And I was working in the UK doing recruitment. And actually, recruitment's a really kind of, I think, easy thing to do when you've got ADHD because it uses a lot of the superpowers that we have. And so as a, a kind of young person operating in that field, I was really successful. So it was the, I was working for Brook Street, which was part of the Manpower Group, uh-huh. which was the biggest recruitment company in the world. 
and in the UK I was one of the top 10 salespeople, so that's Whoa. like two branches, yeah. which is over 2,000 consultants, and I was one of the top 10 salespeople, so I won all sorts of exciting things and got to mo- go to Moulin Rouge first class on the Eurostar, and all sorts of amazing opportunities came out of that, but then I think probably like most of us kind of have an insatiable appetite to do more be more see more mm-hmm. play more yeah um, my at, at the time i just thought i i'm gonna go move somewhere else and i and i know this is really terrible but i hadn't heard anything bad about new zealand so i obviously hadn't heard the john please comment <laughs> if it was him <laughs> i'm gonna move somewhere where i can carry on my career that speaks English, Canada maybe, but could be cold, New Zealand sounds amazing, so I quit my job, sold my house, and got on a plane six weeks after I decided to come. Wow, just like that, on a whim, huh? Just like that, on a whim. Typically ADHD, huh? <laughs> yeah, cool. Hey, so tell me, if we go back a step, what do you think, um, because that's a, that's a massive achievement, one of the top 10 uh, recruiters in a massive organisation, so what do you put that down to? summed up so many like uh, that, that was beautiful that's like 90 seconds talking up adhd and all the the amazing traits and superpowers that that come with it right plus you know uh, a plethora of of so many more and um and and that that summary like really lights me up and that um it, it, there, there really is um there's almost no end to uh the ability that we have if we put our minds to using those traits right do you agree absolutely i i mean when and even when you think about people that are um people that inspire us or people that we admire nearly all of them have neurodiverse traits or exhibit diversity because they don't think the same that's why i mean it's why we can I'm going to use the word manifest because actually creativity and innovation is around manifesting something that wasn't already there or that someone hadn't already thought of. Yeah. And I, ADHD people and dyslexic, autism, Asperger's, the whole spectrum, because we don't see things in the same way, we are the masters of manifesting things that weren't there. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I, I also think, um, and and you'll you'll get this. I don't know if you've ever thought this, Jen, but I kind of sometimes feel sorry for uh, neurotypicals who are striving to be uh, like Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or whoever else. These people and Richard Branson, like we hold up these entrepreneurs and these really really successful business people who start something up. Um, off the sniff of an oily rag and um, work bloody hard, like focus on some stuff and achieve big goals. But we hold them up as um, as the business gurus that everybody should aspire to and wants to aspire to. Not everybody, but a lot of people do, right? Um, and yet they're all neurodiverse. And so they have this special um, essence and a set of uh, traits and behaviors that other that most people try to be like but can't actually replicate. And so as a result, I kind of just feel a wee bit sorry that people don't have ADHD or um, don't have dyslexia. Now, I, I know I'm going to cop a lot of flack for those sorts of things because I know that um, with neurodiversity comes a whole lot of um, struggles and uh, fears and stigma that holds us down. But if we tilt and, and flip the script on that and see the positives um, and how those positives can be used to hack the negatives as well, um, you know, all all the better. Like we're there's this um, there's this unleashing that can happen with us if we if we tap into that, especially as adults. You agree? I absolutely agree. But and and because of the nature of me, I'm going to go back a few steps. Cool. And then we'll go steps and we'll just dance our way through the next conversation. So I actually um, yes, we hold Elon Musk, Richard Branson, all of, all of those fake um, entrepreneurs up. Yeah. Not easy. <laughs> Not easy at no. all. And it's very expensive yeah. and time consuming to mm-hmm. be able to go through and to get a diagnosis around something. And then the stigma mm. that comes with, if you say ADHD and what pe- you know people's perception of it. And this is why this 
kind of podcasts, these conversations are so essential because we're paving the way for the young ones to come through and have somewhere where they can flourish yeah. and that we can actually utilize the skills that mm-hmm. they have. It's all very well being able to make lots of money to go in recruitment or to do this, but there's a whole group of people that don't get to experience the positive side of it because they're continually put down. Now, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, um, Steve Jobs all came from very wealthy families. They were already at private schools going through education, being told that they're going to be the best of the best and this is how you use it. And actually, what about the ones that aren't? Yeah. What about the young ones that are sat in classrooms just constantly told that they're stupid, Mm -hmm. that they're um, naughty, that they're, you know, they're never going to amount to anything? Because I I mean, I remember at school being told, you know, oh, this is the classic, isn't it? You would do so much better if you didn't talk as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you just sit still or just pay attention. Yeah, fidgeting is great. Like I, I get away with some drumsticks, um, and just here tapping away, which helps me. People think, oh, that must be a distraction, but no. If I'm actually doing that, I'm able to um, focus on on what you're saying, and um, because I need to multitask, uh, and that's how I pay attention to people by um, alleviating my need to um, fidget, move around, jiggle a, a little bit, um, is if I let myself do that, I can then pay full attention to you. Because my ten- my attention uh, isn't best held uh, with one thing at the same, you know, all at once. It needs to be um, multi-attentional, if that's even a word. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Because lots of time you can be having conversations with people and they'll be like, but you're not listening. And I'm, I can literally yeah <laughs> that's right if the volume's up we're all good um so then Jen tell me um I, I I'll know the answer to this but what you've just alluded to is there is there's positives negatives there's yin yang there's um good and bad ADHD uh curse or gift what do you reckon gift yeah in what way Hundred percent. Yeah. Because I can, you know, on the one hand, it's so amazing to be able to think differently. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, sometimes I just wish I could think the same and not constantly challenge and not constantly get new ideas around things, and that I could just yeah. accept that it is the way that it is. But I am that person that. Hmm. Why? 
So if it's me, if it's not object reality, it's not grass, trees, river, water, it wasn't man-made, everything else is up for question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, but that's gorgeous and that's beautiful. And that's um, um, like, that's when you're intrigued, but also makes you intriguing as well. And yeah, I get that some people uh, get annoyed with being asked why all the time, but that's out of curiosity. And it's not out of, um, I want to be a, a pain in the ass. It's about, oh, tell me a wee bit more, right? Help me understand. And um and and so but but I think we are absolutely like a literally dog barking in the background dog with a bone right um we go why 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 and just just keep on going because we're almost um it's not that we're not satisfied with other people but we're not yet satisfied with um drawing uh, the links and the um, the connecting things for us like it doesn't necessarily land so we just keep asking why and I reckon that's I reckon that's all good like we can harness that can't we. We definitely can, and and um, I mean, I I recently listened to a good book, and I'm not going to pretend that I read it. <laughs> I very rarely read a book because for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, one of them being dyslexic, that it makes it it's slower to read a book, but also because by thinking pictures, mm. my mind creating this ongoing movie as I'm reading a book, and it it doesn't always work that well so i i've now started to listen to a book because then i can do the dishes and write essays and do all sorts of things in the background and imagine the book as it's being read to you right that's the uh, yeah and that, absolutely well i actually feel like i sing into the book yeah because it's like a moving film mm-hmm. i can imagine and i play it out so sometimes yeah it, it, it's like watching a film yeah and well, I'm the I'm the same, and that uh, that I prefer to, to listen to books uh, when I read. I have to imagine each word, so that slows me down. I mean, it's microseconds, but it still takes effort. And I'm imagining the words and how they connect to each other, and so I'm not actually able to imagine the whole thing as if someone's describing, you know, reading it to me, and I'm able to sort of fill that in with my own um, imagination. It just takes uh, less effort. So listening to books is. Um, I totally um, like I, I sympathize and I empathize with you Jen that that, that um, it helps us do other other things I also think just going back to the way uh, you talked about um, the, the critique and sort of reflecting on things at the end of the end of a day I'm just replaying that whole day as well and so I'm getting to sleep like it's almost like I light up when my head hits the pillow because I'm replaying the whole day and I wish I could turn that off like I love that because I get to enjoy really good experiences again but I do sort of spiral around some things that I wish I could have done differently not necessarily better but just differently and um, that's a big distraction for me do you find that? Oh absolutely and that whole um, replaying things it's forever as well. I always think that, um, and I've been starting to think recently, it's like being a supercomputer. So you've got this massive processing power that goes on in our brains and we're we're literally taking in everything. So whilst I'm talking to you, I'm also very conscious of what's happening outside, what's happening, I can washing machine going, Mm -hmm. we can hear all of these other things going on but also that replaying conversations. So I can recall conversations from years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, but it's because, it, because it's in a picture, 
I literally relive that moment. Yeah. I can I can go back to that moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have worked in the past with um, people around um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And I, the reason I was really able to empathise was because I understand what it's like to replay a situation mm. in your mind a hundred times and be back in that moment in time mm. because the um, because of our brain. So yes, we, we recall every um, most some conversations, but other things, no. That's such a good link. Sorry, carry on. Short term memory. <laughs> I mean, I can do in the washing up. Go to do something else and do eight hours of other stuff and then remember, oh, okay, hold on. I'm, oh, hold on. I'm now painting the shed, <laughs> but I'm supposed to just be doing the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But so, so we're hyperproductive, right? Not necessarily on the things that we wanted to start the day with, but, you know, we get a, get a whole lot of things done. Yeah. Um, t- tell me then, uh, when were you diagnosed and, um, and it doesn't matter if you are or aren't, but when did you sort of first uh, suspect or know that you had ADHD? Um, I think probably, like I said, I was raising a neurodiverse son. And so actually for him, I realised nearly immediately when he was a tiny little baby Mm -hmm. that he was different to the other babies in the group. So... um, you know, they, people would talk about, oh, the, you know, the baby's sick in the day, and I think, oh, my baby doesn't really sleep in the day. And, and um, a lot of people, when I, you know, when I was going to have a baby, because we've always joked about all these things, because I've always been different. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a lovable rogue, you know, I'm the questioner, the challenger, I'm a little bit mischievous, um, usually stay on the right side of being mischievous, but mm-hmm. I push boundaries all the time. And then I was raising a little person that was just like that. Yeah. And so he actually got diagnosed at four, which was really young, but mm. that diagnosis is still rock solid and we and he's thirteen now and for the last nine years we've been going to the um regularly to see a um pediatrician. But his behaviour was becoming more and more familiar to me. Right, yeah. So he's a in different ways because he's um, I think girls and boys do display characteristics slightly differently, mm-hmm. but his behaviour was not unrecognisable to me. And then I started to do more and more research into ADHD for him to try and make sure that I was doing everything I could to be the best possible mum that I could be to him. And then it kind of hit me: Hang on a minute, why do I resonate so much with all this stuff? And like. Yeah. I, one of those people that were like, I'm sure only boys get ADHD. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we're going to knock that one on the head, huh? Yeah, and then when I actually, um, oh, I, I got a referral through to a psychiatrist to talk about some of the things because all my life I thought, you know, I maybe suffered with depression and anxiety because anxiety is a really real thing for me. So. Mm-hmm. I'm super confident, and if you ask anybody that knows me, I'm the happiest person, and I'm very playful, but I always felt a little bit of a fraud, because I knew that deep down, I wasn't that person. 
I was that person sometimes, mm -hmm. but, but sometimes I would have the reclaim in my mind of someone going, but why can't you just be like them? Yeah. Why just be quiet? <laughs> why did you knock that glass over? Why are you so clumsy? Yeah. Why, why don't you just accept stuff? And so um, when I got my referral to, through to the psychiatrist, the first thing I asked him was, okay, with what I'm about to tell you, I just need to know the visiting hours of the asylum because I'm probably going to have to let my friends and family know I need a little residential stay there. Oh. I know, because some of the things, you, I think you can know, you know, it's, it's not the creative ideas that are a problem. It's not the being very successful in your career. It's the constant reminder that you don't do the basic things right, and people can keep reminding you, but you haven't done that. And I think, yes, yeah, but I'm to do that. Just I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I like I like that. That I mean, the the yet bit is important. I think we, um, I think we we downplay or we even forget the importance of yet. Um, and this is the the um, the recognizing that. Um, that systems and processes and even the world and things that govern how you know we run, run society and even little things day to day within the house um, that there's a there's a way of doing things in mind that we don't necessarily fit or um, we don't understand or get or we don't naturally lend ourselves to but we'll get to it in a different way and so it's that acceptance that we can still get to the end result but we'll just do it differently so how do we um, how do we make it okay for um, for everybody to go whichever way um, you need to do it most effectively and efficiently for you for us to get to this end result? Now I could talk about work, or it could be at home making dinner, or or whatever else. But we we do things differently, and I think we in trying to fit in and do things this bog standard way, like the vast majority of people, that um, that crushes us. It, really plays on our um, self-confidence and self-esteem. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's why I went through and um, with diagnosis. And then when I when I got the formal diagnosis and I spoke to the psychiatrist, it, it has been a real journey since then because yeah. it's been about two years now. Mm -hmm. And um, it probably took me about 12 months be able to kind of say out loud to people um you know i've got adhd and even now the look of like yeah <laughs> okay but actually if they just spent some time with me <laughs> so so what are you saying when people go yeah okay are they doubting it or are they saying you're making up an excuse or saying that it doesn't it's not real it doesn't exist or are they saying well of course you do Just didn't let him do that, then it would be easier. 
And I read an article the other day that said a neurodiverse child by the age of eight had received, on average, receives 25,000 more negative um, comments than a neurotypical child. So wow. it's no wonder yeah. that um, coupled with confidence yep. comes with self-doubt. Mm -hmm. well, how can they say that? Mm. And for that to flow into um, from through the education system, like home education system, all the way into work as well, there's this sense of um, I know I'm I know I'm a good person. I know I have these good traits and, and these abilities, but I'm um, having to to fit in and be being told not maybe explicitly, but at least getting this um, this sense or this feeling that you don't fit in that has a big big impact on your ability to apply yourself at work um, and I also think that as a result of all of that mess that that goes on within our heads and our hearts um, there's a big implication in terms of our, um, our mental well-being as well I think the it, it's highly likely I don't know the stats but I think it's highly likely that there's a a, a correlation between um, neurodiversity and um, mental ill health or suffering um, from negative um, impacts on our mental well-being um, because there's a there's a, a struggle to it despite all these amazing gifts traits talents superpowers as you've called them Jen that we have so it's this you know so we're on and we're off and it's hard to to find out where we are and who we are yeah absolutely and I mean going back Please. Um, in there, it's really interesting because the um, author talks about how, you know, the first when, and I think this really speaks to us is we get to the root of something. We like to understand the very beginning of where something stemmed from. A mental illness in itself, or mental health, is quite interesting because it only really started become a part of um, conversation during the slave trade and actually um, depression the term depression was first coined when the slaves started to show signs of unhappiness or not wanting to um, perform what they were supposed to be performing right. and when they started to challenge that system they were depressed and that's probably in all sense of the word, because depressed, like pushed down, yeah. not rising above the pulpit. You, that's your place. Yep. I think we are a long way away from that now. Um, not as far away as we should be. Yes, that's true. A long away from that than we were then. Yeah. But actually, the words that were um, put into our language to describe the situation now have become like common day so we talk about them all the time or we know people that do work around depression and mm -hmm. around suicide and that but we don't actually look at well who called it mental illness and may, maybe it's not mm. a mental illness and I talked before around um, changing the conversation around mental health because mental in itself has a lot of negative connotations to it around mind health yeah 
And it's interesting the people that challenge the diagnosis of ADHD or the validity of ADHD as an illness because they don't necessarily challenge other illnesses. Mm. But it's like make sweeping statements about our brains and our minds and yeah. they don't actually do that in any other way. I think with um with with most um medical um, issues or um, or illness, like you can find that, but you can't find ADHD. You can only see um, the resulting behavior of it and attitudes, etc. Um, so you can't actually find um, ADHD within a person. It's 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 how they are and who they are. And as a result, it's too easy to write off and uh, to to use um, to see it as an excuse, which it's not. Um, it's definitely a reason, um, but it's not an excuse, right? Um, and I also think um, what you were describing before around depression, it was almost as if, and I've, I've drawn the link between, um, as you were talking uh, through uh, that example, that there's sort of depression through suppression. And I feel like sometimes we're, uh, we feel suppressed as well. And people, it's easy to feel uh, suppressed. And as a result of that, there is, there's potential for depression in that um i wonder if we can flip the conversation a little bit and talk about those um positive traits and maybe jen if you could um let us know um here i'm putting you on the spot here but how have you hacked your adhd how have i hacked my adhd and the the reason i say um putting you on the spot because this is a hard question it's something we have done all our lives so it's kind of hard to go okay where is actually a hack because it's my normal so what do you what do you think maybe you do normally that others wouldn't find so normal uh, i think one of our amazing super abilities and it's it totally related to what we've talked about because we've talked about our minds being very busy and lots of tabs open and um the word that you could use to describe your mind could change at any time, but let's say there's a lot of chaos that happens in our mind. Mm -hmm. So when there's lots going on and there's no real, all of the all of the tabs are open and spinning and that that's going on. Yeah. As we operate, our our normal mode of operate of operating is in in chaos or crisis because we might be doing the washing up but thinking about oh my gosh but what's going to happen with COVID world peace the environment whatever's happening in our brain and so one hack is when there is genuine chaos or mm -hmm. um, confusion going on we're at our absolute best so during the first COVID lockdown um, a person a, co a colleague of mine was looking for um, people um, approached me to see would I do some recruitment for the nurses during that first lockdown mm -hmm. now my role in that was to think where can we find nurses that aren't currently working in hospitals groups of them that would be able to go and do swabbing in, in centers uh -huh. so my role in that was to very quickly mobilize some um attractions some tracking things of finding nurses and the first thing i thought of well i know that botox nurses that work in beauty salons like yeah. they have 
capacity, they're not working at the moment because nobody's having their faces done while we're in lockdown. So I ran through to all the beauty clinics and um, in that first um, four-week period, I mobilised 680 nurses. Whoa! I actually played a pivotal role in our COVID response and the reason I was able to do that is because I wasn't panicking about all the other stuff. I yeah. actually, I don't, because I'm busy wherever I am, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether I'm locked in at home or whether I'm at a party or wherever I am because my mind is still the same. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. And other people were not maybe coping that well with that, that was an absolute hack, you know. Not yeah. Only love that absolutely love that i thought you were going to say a dozen um but 600 600 plus is um is amazing i love love how you've described that as well like we're in chaos and everybody else is down here but when they their chaos levels rise we stay the same so we were we appear really really calm in fact it's our normal isn't it which is why i kind of wear this t-shirt says trust me i've got adhd i like the double meaning in it um but also you can trust us uh, cause it's the sort of thing that if in a crisis, like we like boom, 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 like we just know what to prioritize and how to do things because we're constantly living in that and we're almost at ease. We're in our element when things start to turn to shit, right? Absolutely. And um, I think that's why, you know, the creativity side of it, and that's the piece that I probably have had, you know, like just thinking, okay, think differently. Yeah. Um, hard to get a look in right and you make a whole lot of assumptions around what what's going on in their head and their heart yeah, yeah and even that um i've talked recently to lots of um, neurodiverse people and and lots of us that aren't currently in the mainstream workforce mm-hmm. because of lots of you know needing to kind of step out of that environment it's all it's fine and it's high paced and it's everything that we love until it's not until we see it for what it is. That's right, yeah. Um, so, um, 
So that's a that's a great segue then into um into what are you working on right now? What what's going on for you work wise? Uh, so I'm doing a couple of things. I do I run Connectors NZ, which is recruitment for good, and using my network, which is a well established. Um, businesses and people that are doing entrepreneurial work and I try to connect people where I can see that actually having gone through all the stuff that we, we've gone through and worked through let's use that for good mm-hmm. so I connect people with whatever things that they need to be able to be their happiest self yeah great that sounds really cool yeah and then another little pet project of mine is the Rebel Hearts Club okay tell us about that so I set up the Rebel Hearts Club initially around um, bringing women, friends, but not but any women that want to come to my house on a Wednesday and do arts and crafts. Now, it's an interesting one because to me, the more creative everybody is, the more creative we all are. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as adults, I think we don't we don't necessarily pursue new hobbies and tasks because our lives are busy with being parents, partners, housekeepers, workers, all those things and we actually forget just to stop and you know what's it like the hands dirty or knitting or whatever people want to do and bring people together and have conversations that you don't you don't necessarily have and um, it kind of sparked my interest around um, the referendum and the voting that was going on at the time. And I wanted to bring people together to understand, because we need lots of information, understand what's happening in people's minds, mm-hmm. what information do they have, and, and just generally questioning and bringing people together. And that's gone really well. Great. It's been really interesting. But then and my new recent one is going to be the Rebel Spirits Club. Okay. That's a, is that uh, something new or is it a, a twist on the Rebel Hearts Club? I think it's a twist on it. So yep. the Rebel Hearts Club I kept, I kept um, exclusively female mm-hmm. to be able to um, you know, allow women to be women and talk about what they want. Yep. Um, but actually I think there's a big um, call to kind of do that more Rebel Spirits for everybody because it's not an exclusive thing, but thinking about how we bring people together mm. to make challenge and question some of those things that aren't, because when there's not a mass of people thinking about things, then nothing really changes. So, you know, I want to change the education system, probably the government, um, <laughs> the way that we allocate people, how much paperwork is really necessary. Yep. Got to start somewhere, huh? So, we're, we're, what's yeah. behind um, what's behind the name, the Rebel Hearts and Rebel Spirits? So, the Rebel piece is because that's where we're kind of put. That, to me, that's where I've always been put. Uh huh. That thing, but the heart thing is really important because I think we are mischievous and rebellious. Or I am mischievous and rebellious to a point, but always with good heart yeah i only want to challenge stuff that other people benefit from that you, you when you've spent your whole life masking significant parts of your personality because it's not d 
deemed as appropriate mm. or um, it's not um, socially acceptable in some situations just to shout, swear up! That, that kind of rebel piece comes in, but the heart piece is because we we usually stand up for other groups of people as well. Yeah. Why I wanted to study criminology, it's why as a 21-year-old female I spent significant amounts of time in high-security mm. prisons in the UK working with um, murderers and um, understanding why. Yeah. And actually the reason that I couldn't continue working in criminology and couldn't continue working was because I found it really hard when I looked at the situation and you and you kind of get to the point where you think people are kind of born into some, it, everyone's born into, nobody chooses where they were born or who they were born to. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of born onto a sort of a pathway. And yes, there's opportunities to break off that. And there are examples and people can talk about people that did break out of those things. But the majority of people don't actually get to do that and, and I think that's why we, we stick up to people so it's like yeah. how, how, do we, how do we make that amplify our hearts so that everybody feels included and welcomed and that and then that's cool super yeah. cool and because what you've described you've described us as um, being really good advocates based on our abilities to empathize with people like we 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 don't have to have been through what they go through, but we can get a real sense of what it's like to be them. And as a result, we can, um, without some of that baggage, we can take their cause forward. Yeah? Yeah. The last, um, one of the other companies that I run is called um, Post Transition, and um, we set that up to um, work with ex-military people that were transitioning into civilian jobs. And it was oh, yeah. a natural way because um, I used to, um, you know, meet lots of ex-military people, and they, and I think God, your skills will be so useful in the corporates that I've been recruiting for. But they had no way in, and everything's networks, people know, and all sorts of things. So yeah. I started to work with people, and then I got a real feeling of what people, you know, the when people left the military, the feeling of almost abandonment, of like you know they left. Friends have gone. The situation. It's a. It's oh, a really of course. Yeah. Chaotic, chaotic world out here. Mm-hmm. And then I actually did the first piece of research in New Zealand, and maybe in the world, but definitely in New Zealand, on the impact of transition on individuals. And I just last month had it published, and my article published in the University of Cambridge, but business journal around the kind of lack of um, the waste. Mm-hmm. of a skill set when people come out and then they're not actually welcomed into the civilian yeah. world for not, not utilised to the best of their ability because we can see all of those things but yeah. things that became very challenging uh-huh. for that is that I <laughs> empathised almost too much with how people felt it's definitely a thread of that for sure yeah and at some points I thought you know, we, I could talk to people, and and actually, as a group of people, they're very sensitive on not, you know, on people you don't understand. But mm-hmm. I was very well accepted because 
they knew that I understood because I could say the next part for them. Yeah. I, I understood what it, you know, I, I really, really empathised to the point where it was affecting me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Because you can feel like you're going through what someone else is. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a very sensitive person, so I pick up on other people's emotions. So I can very quickly get drawn into feeling their pain. Yeah, yeah. And that that can be a trap, can't it? Like it's a great thing to be able to relate to people, but also we take on. Um, and, and for, you know, we've talked also about uh, reflecting and ruminating on stuff. We take that home and then you take that into bed and into your head with you as well and replay that um, at the end of the day. And that's, you know, we've got to find ways of, of keeping ourselves safe in the stories that of from other people that we take on because we feel that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Jen, congrats so much uh, on the publication of uh, your research and your article. That's very cool. Um, can we find that on the Cambridge website or is that, a, is that available in some way? Uh, yeah, it's, um, the, I'll, I'll send you a link. Okay, cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's the University of Cambridge Business Journal. Brilliant. Um, hey, it's been amazing talking to you. Thanks so much uh, for your time. How can we get in touch with you if, if you want people to um, hit you up, uh, check you out, uh, make contact with you? What's the um, two best ways of doing that? Mm-hmm. So Jenny Martin at uh, LinkedIn, find you there. Yes, I think it's Jenny Martin. Yeah, anyway. we'll remember your face and then we'll just um, find you on LinkedIn. There you go. Brilliant. Hey, look, thanks so much for your time, Jen. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time to ha- have a chat with uh, me. Um, and just keep going. You're doing amazing work, um, really inspiring. And I love the way that you're... Uh, uh, that you're, you're connecting uh, minds, hearts, and spirits as well. So um, keep going and take care. Ah, uh, thank you. No trouble. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the You, Me, and ADHD podcast. Um, my hope is that it's been worth your time, of some value, that it's been interesting or even enlightening, perhaps. Hey, if nothing else, I hope it's been entertaining. I really appreciate you showing up. You see... I really want to do some serious damage to the stigma and stereotype that ADHD is bad, uh, that it's wrong, and that those of us born with ADHD brains are somehow broken, because we're none of those things. And you can help with this too. If you were to uh, like, comment, or even share a link to uh, any one of these episodes, or the entire podcast, uh, just to one person, I'll be a happy little ADHD camper. And I love camping. I do. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, I hope to see you soon. Uh, Stay in touch. Get in touch in any way uh, you feel the need. And I look forward to chatting. Until then, peace, love, and heaps of impulsivity. Take care.